All right. How many were not here this morning? Give me a wave if you weren't here. Well, welcome. What we were sharing this morning is uh, something we felt about 2013 being, and I know the word has been overused in church circles, but being a year of destiny where the, the decisions and choices we make this year and the next couple, and not only us, are the decisions and choices that nations and governments make in the next two to three years, I have this incredible sense will determine where people and nations end up in the next two to three decades. And so I think the, the next 20 to 30 years of, of global history will be determined in the next two to three. And so we must be praying for governments and we must be, uh, as we shared this morning, making right choices, right connections, uh, so that destiny will unfold for us. Destiny is what you're born for. And it's not some great thing that, like, you're going to become a superstar. We tend to think of destiny like that. No, you know, destiny is just hitting the mark God has for you. And whether that's little or great, you leave that up to Him. But at the end of the day, when you stand before Him, you want to hear, son, daughter, you really hit the mark. You really, you really did fulfill what I put you on earth for. And so it's really important that we don't wander and cruise through our Christianity and be kind of, you know, just fairly, you know, laid back about things. We need, there needs to be in the kingdom of God some fervency and stuff. Um, and so I wanted to share tonight a message, How Vision is Fulfilled, because I've discovered that a lot of people do have dreams, uh, prophetic words, a sense of their destiny, and yet for some reason, they don't seem, many don't seem to hit it. And prophecies don't seem to come to pass. And dreams that they had don't seem to be fulfilled. And destinies don't seem to be hit. And there are various reasons for that. We can get distracted by the pull of the world. There may be not faith being mixed with the Word of God. Um, we may misunderstand the fact that if God speaks something, there's no guarantee it will happen because He expects us to pick it up in faith and prayer and cooperate with Him. And so there's all those factors that we're pretty familiar with. But I want to share a, a thing that I believe is one of the key reasons why people sometimes fall short of the mark that God has. And so if we can understand this, it will help us hit the mark and cooperate with the Lord. It was a secret that the Lord shared with me a few years ago. But before I do that, I just feel a couple of prophetic words for people. I was praying this afternoon, and this would be for a number of people. I saw a picture of people, and they were skirting around the edge of a lake, beautiful lake, fresh water, crystal clear waters. And they were sort of dipping their toes in every so often, just dipping their toes in. And, but they weren't very confident to go deeper. And uh, I felt that the Lord was saying to you, and you will know who you are as soon as, uh, you know, as I'm describing this. And the word of the Lord to you is take the plunge this year. Take the plunge. Go in deep over your head. The Holy Spirit will keep you afloat. Take risks and don't be so cautious. Anything for the kingdom of God involves risk. And so there's some people sitting here, that's a word to you, and, and just tuck it away because I think God will create opportunities where you're going to have to go deeper and go, wow. But it'll be worth it. It'll be really, really worth it. I get the name Tanya. It's either for someone here or somebody here that knows someone outside called Tanya. I'll just ask anyone here called Tanya. 
Okay, anyone know someone called Tanya? I think she's in her 20s or 30s. Just keep your hand up. I think that's okay. You're the only hand left, so it must be you. If you could pass this on um, to her, okay? And I just got two scriptures. Proverbs 4.18 says, The path of the righteous is like the light of dawn, which shines brighter and brighter till full day. And also Psalm 37, 23 and 24, the steps of a good person are ordered by the Lord and he delights in their way. Though they fall, they'll not be utterly cast down, but the Lord upholds them with his hand. I have a sense for this person that there may have been some episodes where, you know, there's been some tumbles, but God wants her to know that he is uplifting her and that her path is going to get brighter and brighter as she just continues to look to him. And so I hope that that will encourage her as you pass that on. And the other name I get is Bruce. Anyone here called Bruce? It's funny how these things are mostly outside the meetings, but that's okay. I'll go with it. Anyone know someone called Bruce? And I think he's in his 40s. That's you. That's your brother. Okay. Is anyone else knows a man called Bruce in their 40s? He's definitely in his 40s. You're the only one. Okay. Can you pass this on, please? The message was, um, I had a sense he's looking for purpose and a good work to do. And 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast and movable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. What he's looking for is in the Lord. And what he's looking for is is, is God has good work for him to do, and it's in the Lord. And if he touches that, it won't be in vain. It won't be fear, he will not feel like he's been wasting his time and wasting his life. But it's got to be in the Lord. So if you pass that on and encourage him. And uh, I want to give away a couple of resources too. Um, we've got some resources out there. We've got the set called Living Above Recession. I know some of you bought this stuff before, but some of you are new. Um, that's where we need to be, living above recession, not under it, not panicking by the headlines. So there's some real principles on the first message on how to live above recession, what the principles of the kingdom are economically as opposed to earthly economic principles because we've got to know the difference. And then the second message is on how to overcome the fear and anxiety that's stalking a lot of people financially in the world. And God does not want his kids to be fearful and anxious about finance. As Greg said, there's more than enough. All right? That's a DVD set, that one. How, who would like that? Um, I'll, I'll, okay, I just, uh, I'll see, I see the lady there. Here you go. And uh, it's yours. And then just another set is um, for this one from Hope to Vision Fulfilled, Finding Hope. I've preached that message. It's really great as in my testimony. It's a very powerful message how God turns valleys of trouble into doorways of hope. And then the second one is the message I'm going to do tonight, how vision is fulfilled, but it will be a bit different coming out here tonight. But anyway, that's all right. That's a, that's a CD set. Who would like that one? And uh, you're really persistent. There you go. All right. How many would have liked to have received a freebie? Let's see your hands. And you just go and buy them there and they're all waiting for you. <laughs> yeah, you know that trick. You know I've pulled that one on you before. All right. Um, yeah, a few years ago, I was asking the Lord for a particular theme for the year, because I like to do that. We love to know, well, Lord, you know, what's, what's, what's the year going to be about? And um, as I was praying and reading the Bible, I came to Psalm 37, verse 34, and it just simply says, Do not be impatient for the Lord to act. Travel steadily along his path. And, and it, God just, it really spoke to me. 
And I thought, okay, this year, Lord, you seem to be saying that what I've got to do is just travel steadily, be patient, don't be impatient, just keep persevering. And so thank you, that encourages me to just hang in there and keep going. So I thought that was an encouraging word. Well, pretty much the, it was either the same day or the next day, I get a ring from a friend who is a prophet. I, he's a senior man. He's in his 80s now. I really respect him as a man that hears from God. And he rings me and he says, I've got a word from the Lord for you. I'm going, wow, he's going to tell me the same thing I've just heard, and it's going to be all confirmed. And he gives me, he says, it's Malachi 3 verse 1. The Lord whom you're seeking will come suddenly to his temple. And I said, well, thank you very much, and got off the phone and thought, that can't be right. That's opposite to what I'm getting. God was encouraging me, walk steadily, and this man's saying, walk suddenly. So I'm just, because a suddenly means it's just a sudden breakthrough in God, so I'm going, I'm saying to the Holy Spirit, one of us is not hearing right. I hope it's him and not me, but you know, who's, what's right here? What's wrong? And, and this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. He said, both are correct. Both are correct. Too many of my people want my suddenlies without being willing to walk steadily. He said, if you will walk steadily and keep seeking me, you will have suddenlies. I'm going, wow. See, that's holding opposites together in tension. And we're not so good at doing that because we tend to polarize around opposites. But you know you're maturing in the kingdom of God when you're able to embrace opposites and hold them together in tension. Uh, for example, um, the, the year of God's favor and the day of vengeance of God. That's Isaiah 61. The, the anointing will be on us and on the Lord to proclaim release to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to proclaim the year of God's favor and the day of vengeance. It's interesting when Jesus quoted that in Luke 4.18 in the synagogue, he stopped short. He didn't quote the day of vengeance part. He just quoted the year of favor because that's what he'd come to bring. That was his first coming was all about bringing God's favor to earth so that those who believe in him could turn and come under the favor of God and no longer be under the bondage of sin or Satan. But the truth of the matter is, not only is it all about God's favor, it, there is a day of vengeance coming. He is a God of justice and judgment, as well as a God of grace and favor and mercy. And a lot, a lot of Christians polarize to one of the aspects of his character. And so we've got people who are buying into extreme grace teaching. Well, you don't even need to ask God's forgiveness. You can do what you like. You can go and sleep with who, what, what you like because the sin's already forgiven and it doesn't matter because God's so gracious. Yeah, they're forgetting God is a God of justice. There'll be a day of vengeance where he will punish sin and reward well do doing, good doing. But then we've got, we got people that are so bound up on the day of vengeance thing that they forget that God's a God of grace. You've got to hold those two truths together. And that way you walk in the fear of God and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit. Because I know there's a day of judgment coming. And for a believer, it's a day of reward. But I still, that, that still inspires within me the desire to live well for the Lord. And, uh, but also to draw upon his grace. And so we could go through other opposites, you know, the fellowship of his sufferings and the power of his resurrection. There's so many opposites in the Bible that are meant to be held together. But this thing of steadily and suddenly are opposites that need to be held together. Steadily inspires perseverance and suddenly inspires hope. Let's look at those two things briefly. 
Number one, walking steadily. Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, says a, um, a farmer went out to plant some seed. Some fell on shallow soil with underlying rock, and the plants sprang up quickly. But they soon wilted beneath the hot sun and died because the roots had no nourishment in the shallow soil. They sprang up quickly, but they soon wilted. Suddenlies that come too quickly can be lost. Suddenlies that come without there having been time to develop our character to handle the sudden breakthrough can often be frittered away. Uh, the, prodigal, the story of the prodigal son is a case in point where this young boy got his inheritance too early, didn't have the character to handle it, and he went away and he squandered the father's inheritance. And it's tragic when I see Christians squandering father's giftings and inheritances and resources on wrong things because they don't have the character to handle it. And that, you know, so we can get impatient and we can so desire it that we can so force the hand of God that we'll get what we want, but we may lose it. And it's not a bad thing to actually have to wait for something. I know that is a very unpopular teaching in the modern day where everything has to be had now. And you just put it on the credit card to get it. That is so bad. I was from the olden days. You know, in the olden days, we used to actually save, buy stuff, and we didn't have, I know this sounds ancient, we didn't have credit cards. They weren't around. And so the olden days is you had to save up to buy things, and I think that's still a pretty good thing, you know? Save, and uh, don't just go and put it on credit. I um, I clipped this when we were in the United Kingdom a couple of years ago. It's a It's a... It's just a news line from the Daily Telegraph, and it says, man who blew a lottery fortune dies penniless. Story goes that he um, says a nine million pound lottery winner, that's about 18 million New Zealand dollars, who blew his money on drinking racehorses and football has died penniless after suffering a heart attack brought on by financial worries. So you get a suddenly, too quickly, and you don't have the character to handle it. I know what you're thinking. You think, I'd never do that. I'd never be that stupid. Well, don't judge. Because when you get the breakthrough, that's when it really tests your character. When you get the resource poured into your hands, that really tests. Blessing is harder to handle than adversity. You don't believe me, do you? Blessing is harder to handle than adversity because the temptation is to pride and independence and forgetting the God who gave it. The Bible in the Old Testament is a record of a nation called Israel being so blessed but forgetting God. And so they had to go into bondage. Blessing is harder to handle than adversity. But if you allow adversity to prepare you and shape you in a humility and dependency on God, then when the blessing comes, when the when the suddenly comes, uh, you, you will be able to handle it and it will not be fritted away. Luke 8 verse 15, which is Luke's take on the same story, says, But the good soil 
represents honest, good-hearted people who hear God's message, cling to it, and steadily produce a huge harvest. There's that word again, steadily. If you want to produce a huge harvest of righteousness and fruitfulness and effectiveness in your life, then there is no magic to it. It's just like steadily walking with God day after day, week after week, month after month, uh, opportunity after opportunity, just steadily bearing fruit. It's not often magic or some big deal. It's just steadily, day to day to day to day, just being faithful to God, just watering the seed that he's already put. Habakkuk 2.3 is a great verse from the New Living Translation. It says, slowly, steadily, surely, the time approaches when the vision will be fulfilled or the destiny will be reached. If it seems slow, wait patiently, for it will surely take place. It will not be delayed. And I think most prophetic promises, dreams, promises of destiny and vision go through that process of slowly, steadily, and surely. I would say the majority of the promises that you and I carry, maybe you had it through a dream or a prophecy or or some scripture that's come alive to you, or God has spoken to you in some way and you're carrying something and if you're not, well, you know, you, you will because God speaks to all his children and he puts destiny in our hearts and he puts vision in our hearts and because he, he's a great father and he loves to give us a sense of purpose and something to aim for. He doesn't want your life to be boring. He wants it to be adventurous and he wants it to be exciting. There's no greater adventure than journeying with Jesus in the kingdom of God because well, he'll take you all sorts of places you never thought you'd get and you'll meet meet all sorts of people you never thought you'd meet. Most prophetic promises and stuff like that will go through the slowly, steadily, surely phase. And many give up at the slowly phase. It just doesn't seem to be happening. Oh, come on, Lord, I've been waiting years. What's the story? And they give up. Well, I must have heard wrong or God's not favoring me or the the prophetic person was wrong or whatever. But if you will add your steadily to the slowly, you will get a surely. I was a maths teacher, used to love teaching formula. You know, quadratic equations, simultaneous equations, you know, formula for solving those things. And are the juices running for anyone? Any, any maths lovers here? Can I see your hands? Yay, my friends. You're awesome people. What's wrong with the rest of you? I don't, I don't understand it myself, but anyway. And, but here is a simple formula for you, okay? Here it goes. Slowly plus steadily equals surely. Can you say it after me, class, please? Here we go. Slowly plus steadily equals surely. If you will add your steadily to the slowly, you will get a surely. You will know that God will fulfill that word. God will uh, cause that dream to happen. God will honor that prophetic word. The Lord will allow you to touch your destiny. He is looking for people who will not give up on the slowly phase. God deliberately allows some things to be slow, and that troubles us. We, we wonder, why is God not more urgent in breaking through when our need seems so desperate, and yet God just says, well, it's just going to take a little longer for you. 
He said, but God, I need it now. And the Lord says, no, actually, you need it right at the right time. And his right time and your right time, I have discovered, is quite different. I've told you this before. I've shared this testimony before, but it's worth sharing again. In 1977, my first wife, Jane, and I had just been married a couple of months, and I have this dream about my wife and I traveling to the nations of the earth, doing itinerant ministry in a number of nations. It was very exciting. Of course, then she got multiple sclerosis, ended up in a wheelchair, and and, uh, the whole day. I've shared this story before. You know how it just seemed impossible. It just seemed incredibly impossible. And then suddenly she passed away in 2007 and I thought it was really over. As I was sharing this morning, like I felt like the arrow being pulled back. And, uh, and then God brings Greta into my life. And two months after we were married, uh, in the beginning of 2009, we launched into full-time itinerant ministry, living by faith. And now we travel to the nations of the earth ministering for him. But if you count up between uh, 1977 and 2009, that's 32 years. So if God decides he's going to take about three decades to fulfill a promise, that's his business. And we're now living in the fullness of it. And it's fantastic. We love it. And it's adventurous. And it's demanding. And it's costly. And it's hard work. But it's exciting. And it's wonderful. We get to go to lots of different places and meet God's people all over the world and help equip them to do mighty works of service and help bring the word of the Lord to people and that kind of thing. You see, we've got to have the steadily. Now, I pray it doesn't take 30 years for you, but if it takes a few years or even a few decades, don't throw away the vision or the dream. Because that's exactly what the enemy wants you to do. Hold on to it. If you feel it's from God, hold on to it and have faith and persevere and walk steadily and surely a conviction will grow within you that one day there will be a suddenly that will release you into that. Remember the fictional story being told of Hitler, Mussolini and Churchill uh, meeting in Paris in 1940 in World War II. If you don't know your your history of the war, the German army had just swept all through Western Europe. They'd conquered Holland and Belgium and France and, and Norway, and they'd, they'd sort of driven the British army back over to the, the Channel, to England, and, and a, uh, quite a lot of the French army with them from Dunkirk. And so it looked like Hitler was poised to just take the whole of Europe. He was about to invade England. It looked pretty bad. And actually, the German government did contact the British government and said, you know, if you surrender now, we'll give you good terms, etc. And they said, no way, you know. Uh, Churchill said, never. And so the fictional story goes, they, the three leaders, Mussolini being the leader of Italy who was in on the side of Germany, they meet together at this famous cafe in Paris where there's this big goldfish pond. And they're arguing and Hitler's saying to Churchill, you might as well give up now because England's beaten and you don't have any, anybody to help you and we're going to march in if you don't. And he says, never. And Mussolini says, well, yeah, I'm on his side, so it's going to be really bad. You better surrender. And Churchill says, never. And so uh, it's going nowhere. They're arguing back and forth. And, and finally, I think one of them, I think it was Hitler, proposes a wager. He says, all right, I'll tell you what. 
First one to catch a goldfish from the pond is the winner. And the other can surrender. And they all said, all right, that sounds reasonable. So Hitler went first. He took out his revolver, aimed at a goldfish, pulled the trigger and missed. So he's out. Mussolini's next. He, he jumps in the pond. He grabs a fish. He's got it. He's bringing it out of the pond, but it slithers out of his hand. He's lost. Churchill takes the teaspoon from his cup of tea and he goes over to the pond and he starts doing this. They said to him, what are you doing? They said, it will take a long time, but we will win in the end. (laughs) Now that's called steadily. That's called perseverance. But hey, if all you've got is steadily, that can be a bit tiring. So there's two sides to this coin. Because if that's all you focus on and go, oh boy, you know, I've got to persevere, that's going to get, that's going to be fairly weary. You've got to also have an expectation for suddenlies because that gives you hope. So while you're doing the steadily, the perseverance, you have an expectation and hope that something's going to happen to break through in on your steadily. And you know, the Bible is amazing. If you study the word suddenly, it occurs 114 times in my version of the Bible anyway, and you'd be very glad I'm not going to go through all of them. We're going to look at one tonight. Acts 16, verse 25 and 26. Paul and Silas have been thrown into a big dungeon. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the doors flew open and everybody's chains came loose. There's some people sitting in here tonight and you're in that situation right now. You are in a dungeon. You're in a prison of circumstances. Some of you are in a prison, prison of emotional circumstances. Your emotions are taking you captive right now because you're allowing your affections, the enemy, to manipulate your affections about something. And you need to know that God is about to open your prison door. He is about to loose in your change. Others of you are in a a prison of circumstances and God is about to open those prison doors. If you will stay strong in him, do what Paul and Silas do. I mean, they had just been beaten. They had just been whipped. They had just been thrown into prison. They were bloody. They were beaten. They were sore. What were they doing? Praising God. They were not having a pity party. Down the back of the church, woe is me, God doesn't care, this shouldn't be happening. They're just saying, we praise God. Because you see, Paul was in it not for his comfort, he was in it for the cross of Jesus Christ. If you're in Christianity for comfort, you might as well give up now. Because adversity and trouble are part of the Christian walk. Because we got a cross, Jesus said, if any man or woman would follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I find killing myself is the hardest thing I've ever had to do. And I'm not very good at it because a lot of me wants to stay alive big time and pander myself and uh, avoid the cross and sacrifice and paying the price and wanting to do other things and get distracted with all the, the, the wonderful things of life. But hey, there's a time where you just got to kill yourself. I'm speaking metaphorically, all right? You got to just die to self that you might live to him. So they were praying and singing hymns to God and suddenly God heard it and power. He sent an earthquake and those doors flew open. Those chains fell off and those prisoners were free. You read the rest of the story. They had a revival in that city. 
I got this email from a staff member of a church I was part of a few years ago. She said, I'd been praying for my younger brother to find his way back to God for more than 15 years. Your message on us doing steadilies and God doing suddenlies has been the greatest encouragement. I held on to that promise when it seemed as if the steadilies were coming to no suddenlies. But God did a suddenly in such a powerful, gentle, beautiful, and definite way. He heard when my brother hit rock bottom and whispered a desperate help me. And in a matter of seven days, my brother gave his life to Jesus, was prayed for deliverance from addictions, reconciled with his wife, and walked into a church he attended a while ago. The leadership of the church rallied around him and anointed him and his family and someone brought a word that he and his wife would have a ministry of restoration to many. How is that for God being God? That's pretty cool, don't you think? Seven days. God just totally turned the the guy's life around, restored his marriage, restored him, and, and launched them into some kind of ministry. Seven days. Wow. But the key thing to note is she prayed for 15 years. We had the joy of seeing Greta's brother and his wife come to the Lord Jesus um, about 15 months ago. But Greta had prayed for 36 years. And before Greta prayed, her, you know, her, their parents had been praying for a number of years as well. See, God answers prayer. But it was sudden. It just happened. Suddenly. Suddenly. I remember the story of hearing Heidi Baker praying for a quadriplegic in England. Quadriplegic, totally paralyzed from the neck down. And he's at this conference and Heidi sees him and she feels the Holy Spirit wants to her to pray for him. And, he, and Heidi is an amazing, she's the most Christ-like person I think I've ever met or heard. And she's an amazing, amazing woman, a missionary to Mozambique. And so a couple of days into the conference, she feels it's the time and she goes down and she prays. I think I've told this story in the School of the Supernatural. But she prays for the guy But she prays for two hours because there's not much happening. So she just keeps praying for two hours. The end of the two hours, he's completely healed and he's up and he's running around the building and he's now got a ministry going up and down England praying for the sick and testifying at what God has done. Now, the interesting backstory is this. He said, do you know, he said to her, I think I've been prayed for by people about a thousand times. And nothing ever happened. You know, some people after 10 times would develop a theology of failure regarding healing. Now, well, God doesn't obviously heal on demand, and um, so maybe we shouldn't pray for the sick confidently. I'm so, I'm so glad, and I think he's probably glad he never gave up. So when she came to offer to pray, he didn't say, no, thank you, I've been prayed for a thousand times, nothing's ever happened, because that was his moment for a suddenly. You might have prayed for something before. You might have had someone pray for you before and nothing may have happened. That doesn't mean it's cancelled. That doesn't mean God is not going to do it. That just means there's a moment in God where if you'll stay in faith and you'll stay in hope and you'll stay in a sweet spirit with God, He'll fulfill that thing. He'll send that breakthrough. That suddenly will happen. It may be the salvation of a loved one, the healing of a sickness, a financial breakthrough, a a job opportunity, uh, the purchase of somebody. You're trying to purchase a home and it seems impossible to you. Look, God owns the cattle on a thousand hills. He he can do something. If you'll do your part, be a generous giver and a wise saver and do your bit, God will make a way for you. Nothing is too hard for God. So many people give up. 
because they don't like the slowly. Now, if all you focus on is suddenly, then you end up believing in a God of magic. He just waves his magic wand, and any time you want something, poof, it's there. He's not a God of magic. And so you've got to bring the two of those things together, steadily and suddenly. We need both. We need both. We often want the suddenly without the steadily. We want the suddenly without seeking him because the promise in Malachi is for those who seek him, he will come suddenly to his temple. And I think we're about to see many more suddenlies because I think time is getting urgent. The clock is ticking faster in world events. I, I don't know. Can you look around the world today? Like things are happening so fast. The world has been shaken in so many ways. But the God is saving the best till last. He is going to pour out his spirit in unprecedented ways. He is going to launch masses of his polished arrows to hit the mark. And he's going to bring a whole lot of suddenlies into play in order that he might achieve and accomplish what he wants. And if you've been walking steadily and hanging on to God, keeping your spirit right, then you're a candidate for a suddenly. If you've been all cheesed off at God and cross and angry and bitter in spirit, just look, he understands that. You read some of the psalmists, they were pretty angry at God and uh, they were allowed to mouth off. But, you know, just come and ask God's forgiveness. Say, Lord, I just didn't understand how you work. Sorry. And look, God will forgive and God will restore that possibility of a suddenly because he's a God of mercy. Man, if I thought I had to serve God because I was doing everything perfectly, I'd be in big trouble. And if I thought I had to get all the breakthroughs that God brings because I'm perfect, I'd be in even bigger trouble. I am so glad of the mercy of God, the kindness of God, the goodness of God. I just got to do my part, but he does so much more. So putting it together, the opposite of steadily and suddenly is liberating. It is really a liberating thing. This, this opposite of steadily and suddenly is liberating. And if we, if we can join the two verses together, um, if I can take the liberty of joining the two verses together, because I notice the Apostle Paul does this a lot. He pulls scriptures from all over the Old Testament and just puts them in one thing. And this is how it reads. Do not be impatient for the Lord to act. Travel steadily along his path, and the Lord you're seeking will come suddenly to his temple. You know, when Jane was in a wheelchair and, and we were just hoping God for healing and deliverance, many days I would have to say to myself this quote, and you know, when I get discouraged, when I get really weary, when I, I just feel like, oh, God, is anything ever going to happen? I'd have to say to myself, come on, David, do not be impatient for the Lord to act, but travel steadily along his path, and the Lord whom you're seeking will come suddenly to his temple. The suddenly came in a way that I didn't expect, but Jane got promoted to heaven. She's happy and thrilled about that, and uh, I got promoted to be Greta's husband. I think you're pretty happy about that, are you, honey? Just checking. All right. She's, she's nodding. It's okay. She's nodding. And so I had to quote that scripture a lot, or those two scriptures, putting them together. And I'd recommend that we, you know, memorize that, quote it to yourself when you're in that time and in that moment. And I believe that most visions and dreams and destinies that God has in store for his people go through this process Coming up on the screen on this final slide, uh, here's the process. It's slowly, it's steadily, it's surely, 
it suddenly. Most of what you carry will go through that process. You know, you're stuck in the slowly phase, you be encouraged, add your steadily to it. If you're doing this steadily, I'm doing it already, David, I'm doing this steadily. Well, praise God, you can have a sure confidence that God will answer and bring this suddenly. And I feel in the Holy Spirit that we need to release suddenlies tonight. We need to release something into the spiritual atmosphere that would bring suddenlies to birth because I feel like that's what God's doing. And The thing that I think he said to me about the end of the service is I want to release grace to people to walk steadily because you really need grace to do that. And I want to release faith for suddenlies, grace and faith. But hey, just as I'm closing now, there is...